Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today I am privileged to be joined by Rabbi Schneer Burton, a valued writer and contributor to many Art Scroll Masora projects, and notably and more recently, Kisve Harambam. Thank you, Rabbi Schneer, for being here. Thank you, Rabbi Yitzhak. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I must open by saying that we are old chaverim. I'm very proud whenever your name comes up in the art school offices or anywhere else where people see your names in the various forum, I always say we were classmates. <laughs> Not that I did anything to contribute to your success, <laughs> but uh, I would say years ago, if someone had had to pick out someone from our shear who would be doing what you're doing, I would say that you would be the perfect candidate. So Thank you, thank you. It's a true schus and pleasure to do such special, important work Article and rewarding the, work. Yes, it's, wonderful. it's, it's very rewarding and uh, we'll get into what you've done, but uh, Antsko Masora is very fortunate Thank to you. have you, you. As, a, as a member of the team of Tamud Chacham and working on, on various projects. Now, before we get into the Kisvei Harambam, which you contributed so significantly to, what other projects have you worked on for uh, Masora? So the first time I got involved in working for Atsuko was on the Drushes Haran, which was the first project in this series of focusing on Sfarim that are fundamental to Ashkafa of the Rishayim. So Drushes Haran, which was Yehuda Kielsen's, Rabbi Yehuda's first work here with Atsuko, um, Rabbi Yehuda invited me to join then on that project as a reader to review the work, the Drushes Haran work. From there, I started with the Drushes Haran, that project then, we completed the Josh Saran, and we moved on now to Kisver Rambam. From there, I got involved in the, um, the Ein Yaakov and the Zerah Shimshin. Um, those have been the ongoing projects that I've been working on for Artsko. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you how you got in the door, because there are many aspiring Tamut Chachamim, many capable people who may want to write for Artsko, but from speaking to the experts like Rabbi Danziger and Rabbi Silber and all the other phenomenal Rabbi Hertzka, the phenomenal Tamidu Chachamim and Rabbi Meisels, you know, they tell me that, yeah, many people submit, uh, you know, uh, samples, manuscripts and things like that, but to actually uh, get through the door is no simple matter. So how did, yeah. how did that process uh, play? Well, like play I said, it was great for me. I was lucky I got invited in uh -huh. to get involved with the Drush Saran. Um, that was like a side project for me and sort of for them. I was just involved partially at that point. But once I got involved with Art School, I guess they liked what I did. And then I, you know, they put me on these other and projects the that history. I wanted to do more work. Yeah. So, well, talk about the evolution of this volume. Before this Safer that we're talking about, there's no actual Safer called Kisve Aramba, right? right? I think it's important to point out that right. this is a compilation of writings of the famous Rishon, Ramosha Bamayman. Right. And, um, how did you decide what to include in this volume? Right, so Kisver Rambam is selected writings of the Rambam. We selected certain writings and we made, a comp made one volume of what's going to be at least two volumes, perhaps three, of a series. Um, what we selected is the writings of the Rambam that are about hashkafa, not matters of halacha, matters of the fundamentals of faith. Specifically in this volume, um, what we focused on are the Rambam's writings that relate to mainly Amuna, the fundamentals of Amuna. So the Rambam, besides for being the great halachist and writing Mishnah Torah, he also wrote a lot about what we call Yisoyde Hadas, the fundamentals of the faith, Amuna, 
In fact, the Rambam writes in his Pirish on Mishnayis, in one place he writes that there's nothing more important to him than to talk about these, t these topics, which he felt were underexplored or underdeveloped in his time, that people maybe take for granted and don't really work out what the Yisoidists are, what are the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit. So he felt it was very important to write about, and he wrote so much about it. Um, what we did is we selected many of those writings, and that brings us to this work today. I can tell you about what we put in here. Sure. So um, one of the main things we have in this work is the Rambam in the, in the introduction to Parak Chelek in Pirusha Mishnayis, that's where the Mishnah says, Kol Yisrael Yeshlam Chelek Olam Haba, all Jews have a Chelek Olam Haba, and these are the ones who don't have a Chelek, and it talks about Apikorsim and Minim. So the Rambam says, okay, this is the opportunity to talk about reward and punishment, because the Mishnah is talking about the ultimate reward. And the Rambam sees it as, again, his mission to correct certain errors that he felt people were making about reward and punishment, and the true nature of reward and punishment, and how Olam Haba, the world to come, is actually the perfection of humanity and the purpose of Olam Haba. While people think of it more as, as reward, and people focus on the wrong things in reward, they focus on Adam Hazer, they focus on Mashiach. So the Rambam wants to teach us what's Torah really about, what the Tachlis Adam is, what the ultimate goal is, what Adam Hab is about. And then relatedly, while the Mishnah says that Minim and Apikorsim don't have a Chayel Kalamba, so the Rambam says, okay, now's the time to tell you what makes someone a Min, what makes mm -hmm. someone a curse. So this is something that some people might be more familiar with it from Hilchus Chuva, because there he gives the list. These people are called a Min, these people are called Apikorsim. But here is where he says, okay, these are the fundamentals of faith, the 13 principles of faith, famous 13 principles of faith of the Rambam. This is where the Rambam develops them and says, here's what makes a person either Yisrael, and then he's vouched a chilek alam haba, as the Mishnah says, or he's beyond the pale, he's a min and a apikaris, if he doesn't believe one of these 13 things. So here the Rambam goes into, into um, an explanation of what the fundamentals, in the Rambam's opinion, what the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit truly are. So that's obviously just tremendously important. Right. So we put that in, and then we also have um, a few other writings of the Rambam that are related to that. For example, he has an essay about Tchiyas um, HaMesim, which we included here. The 13th principle of faith is the belief in Tchiyas HaMesim, so that's related. And the other thing here is the essay about um, astrology. Rambam wrote a, a letter where he explains that he believes astrology has no basis, unlike other Rishayim. It's Ram's opinion, mm -hmm. but that's also very much related. So what's beautiful about this volume, besides for how important each of these subjects are, is that I feel it really comes together to present a reader with an overview of the Rambam's basic ashkafa, you know, what is Judaism, right, the most fundamental things of Judaism. Now you referenced the Yud Gimel Ikrin, which is one of the topics covered in, in the Sefer, and uh, I think it's elementary to point out that um, the animamans that we have, which many of the uninitiated or people who are not so familiar may believe were, were written by the Rambam because that's somehow how, how, how you know it's, it's referred to as the we mix up the Yud Gim Ikram and the Anamam and really they're two separate things the Yud Gim Ikram were authored by the Rambam and the Animamans which very much parallel the Yud Gim Ikram were written by someone else we, we don't know who that we person who was that. Right. talk about that so we don't know who wrote them it's an adaptation of the Yud Gim Ikram but what you'll find if you actually learn the Ikrim from their source, from the Pirish of Mishnayis, what you'll find is that the Animamim doesn't always capture, more often than not, does not capture the full nuance and range of what the Ramam was trying to do. So Yud Gimel Ikrim in the Animamim is wonderful and people are so familiar with it and, say, and, and they say them. But if you want to really understand the Ikr, you have to go back to the source. Mm -hmm. And what we found, I mean I sort of knew this, but 
preparing this work, together with Rabbi Yehuda, we saw how there's so many times, and, and Rabbi Yehuda did a great job of pointing this out, you know, okay, here's the place where this is not represented in the text of the Animam, and this idea that the Ramam says over here, and maybe it's a little different the way the Animam presents it. So if you really want to get to, okay, what are my 13 principles of faith that are so important, right. then you have to learn this. And what's so interesting is that the Ramam writes, and we know how careful the Ramam was about every word, always, but here he seems to have been super careful because he writes at the end of the Yudhigam He says, if you think you understand this from reading it one or ten times, you're fooling yourself. Okay, so this is after the Rambam spelled it out. And he says, you can read this. You can read it ten times and you still don't get it. So he's really inviting us to, to chew this over. Right. And this is, to the Rambam, is basically the most important 13 things that a Jew has to know. So that's why I'm so proud of this. We're so proud of this work because I feel like we put out something that's, that's super important and super fundamental. Right. And unfortunately, didn't get enough attention. Right. It's, it's almost you surprising know? that it hasn't been done on this level beforehand. It right? is. Like you're it saying, is. It's something so, so fundamental. Mm -hmm. and, and who bigger than the Rambam? Right. To think that it hasn't been done till now, so it yeah. really, in that sense, it, it, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that it's a, it's a groundbreaking work. I think so. Right? Yeah, I think we I think we've done something very important that needed to be done. Yeah. And hopefully, will open up this study to people who otherwise may have not engaged with it. I mean, you know, the Pirush Mishnayos is also not such an easy read in right. in the Hebrew. Right. Partially we'll because it, it's a translation. Which you want to get into in a, yeah, in a moment. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, the, the the other uh, components of this volume there's this. The letter to Ibn Jabril. Jabbar, right? So, well, Jabbar? I didn't know him personally, <laughs> so I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. But yeah, so that's a beautiful letter. I knew I was uh, going to butcher it. <laughs> that's a beautiful, very beautiful letter. This fellow who writes to the Rambam, and he, called, he says, I'm an Amaretz. He says, I don't even read Hebrew, and I'm, I'm trying to understand your works. I learned your Torah, and he asks him for some guidance. And the Rambam, with such... Anava responds to him and says, first of all, he says, I love you very much. You're not an Amaretz. He says, if you're learning Torah, it doesn't matter what language you're learning it in. He says, read it in Arabic, Hebrew, it doesn't matter. The main thing is the content. And if, if you're trying to learn Torah, you're great. And then he gives him some guidance. And he also tells him some things about Alam Haba that relate, as, relate to, this, to the mm -hmm. rest of the book. So that's a beautiful letter. Um, and then... We also have excerpts from Hechaz Tshuva and Hechaz Yisraelat Torah, so places in the Mishnah Torah and Hechaz Abed too, places in the Mishnah Torah with Ramam treats of these same topics. So we put them in the, mm -hmm. we have these um, at the end, the appendices. Um, <clears throat> as a rule with the Rambam, he never talks about something only once. If he talks about something here, he talks about it in Mishnah Torah. And you'll find the Mar Nevuchim in different Nevuchim places. Mar Nevuchim, sure, also, right. So, of course, we did a lot of work in, and I know, I know you did a lot of a lot of comparisons in the in the Rambam's references to these various topics in the different places. Right. So all the way at the end of the book, we have this chart where we show the parallels to the Marnevuchim. Marnevuchim is much more advanced, safer. Right. And um, if someone wants to do further study and see how these ikrim where they are treated of in the Marnevuchim, so we have that chart at the end. Do you, do you have parallels. plans eventually to? You mentioned additional volumes. Do you have plans to include, let's say, the Rambam's Mar Nevuchim and Shemar Prakim in subsequent volumes? Is that the vision? Well, so for the next volume, we're talking about Shemar Prakim, at least. Okay. We're starting there, and probably the intro to... Which for our viewers addresses... So that's the Rambam's uh, introduction to Perky Avis. And it's really the Rambam's, it's the Rambam's psychology, Rambam's understanding of the soul. What is the soul? What's a human being? And what does the Torah want from... How, what does the Torah see as being the perfect character, and how does the Torah work to form that? 
also talks about nevuah because Rambam understands the perfection of the of human character and how that mm -hmm. reaches to nevuah. So there's really it, it's a very important uh, fundamental work of the Rambams, and it's actually a great introduction to the Rambams thinking in general because a lot of times we get in the Rambam we get his conclusions. But in the Shemitic Prakim, you see the Rambam's development, like the background, mm -hmm. you know, okay, what does he think of human beings? But okay, but that's the next volume, right? That's in the future. Um, the Akdama to Mishnayis too. The Murnavuchim is, is, is a mystical work. It's an esoteric work. So it's a, it's a work that the Rambam wrote. It's not for the masses. And um, uh -huh. to go ahead and translate it, you know, we have no plans to do that as of now. It okay. it's, it's not, it would not be a simple undertaking. Now, you referenced something before, which may be the most fascinating thing that I'd like to discuss today, and that is that the Rambam... All his writings, both his halachic works and his ashkafic works, which, which, which are, are revolutionary, and then think about the hundreds, perhaps thousands of works that have been written based on the Rambam over the years. It's really unbelievable what a, what a fundamental uh, kind of uh, framework the Rambam gave us to work with. But they were all written in the jargon, the vernacular of his day, which was Arabic. Well, so to correct you, right? the Mishnah Torah, oh, yeah. the halachic work was written in Hebrew. Okay. okay? But yeah, besides for the halachic work, the Sefer HaMitzvahs, the Pirish HaMishnayis, the Murnavuchim, and some of these essays were written in, in Judeo-Arabic, which right. means Arabic and Hebrew characters. By the way, the letter about astrology was written in Hebrew. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, and that's because his recipients were non-Arabic speakers. Uh -huh. So when he was writing to people from uh, Provence, from Lunel, he wrote to them in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know that Ram was a master Hebrew writer. He wrote the Mishnah Torah. Right. But yeah, he wrote, he wrote his other works in Judeo-Arabic. And what's interesting about that letter, the Ibn Jabbar letter, he asked him whether he would translate the Mishnah Torah, which he ordered in Hebrew, Hebrew to in Arabic. Arabic. And Ram says, no, I can't do that. I really regret, I wish I would translate the, the Pirish Mishnahis back into Hebrew, right? Uh -huh. Or not back in, into Hebrew, and don't ask me to do that for you. Uh -huh. So it's interesting. The Ramam never tells us why he wrote in Arabic. Even his Pirish Mishnahis, he wrote in Arabic. So that's a, it's a work that's made you know, to learn Mishnahis. I mean, you know, it's not, today these kinds of things are not so common for a godal or the Rambam statue. Right. <laughs> Imagine a godadar today <coughs> writing a, a, a hashkafic work in, in, in English. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, uh, it's yeah. just an eye opener. Right. But what's interesting is, it's not just, not only the Rambam wrote in Judeo-Arabic, but so many fundamental works were written in, in Arabic. Chavis Alavavis. Kuzri. Absadi Goyen. To name a few. There are more. Uh, and the Marinavuchim, to mention, uh, was written in Arabic. So here we were working with a work that was originally written in Arabic. Now, neither myself, nor Abihuda, nor Abhil, nor anyone else on the project are experts in Arabic. I should Arabic. mention that's Rabbi Yudha Kielsen. Rabbi Kielsen, the main And Rabbi Hull Danziger, mm -hmm. with whom you worked extensively yeah, they were on the this main, project. Yeah. Was, there, was there anyone else before we got back to the. Uh, there were various Arabic. other people on the project, okay. the introduction mentioned them, but the main, Rabbi Yehuda was the main. He did all the work of the writing, and then the reviewing was me and Rabhila mostly. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm somewhat familiar with Judeo-Arabic. Which is, I knew you're multilingual, yeah. but Arabic, okay. you know, I didn't know. So I don't know if I would put that in my multilingual, <laughs> but I am familiar enough. And the reason why I started studying Arabic is because the Rishayim wrote in Arabic. And uh -huh. I, I love the Ramam so much. And for me to read the Ramam in translation, I felt like I have to read it in the original. So I got to a point where I could read. I read Pirish Mishnayis in the Arabic. Did, did you actually study the language? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah is, that, is that com comparable to contemporary Arabic? So, okay, so it depends. There's literary Arabic and there's, there's written, and written there's, Arabic. And, and there's spoken Arabic Spoke. and there's different uh -huh. dialects, so it sort of gets uh -huh. complicated. Uh, okay. 
But I don't even know that much because I don't really study it in the, in the, in the modern vernacular. Right, I'm meaning you know, you know this form of Arabic. Basically. And how, how do you teach that to yourself? Is it just by comparing the Hebrew edition to the Arabic edition? Is that well, that, that's one of the ways I do it. But there's also, I've studied, studied Arabic books, modern Arabic books too, uh -huh. yeah. So, but um, you could learn a lot from just from doing that work, from sitting with, you know, if you're learning a book, if you're learning a Sefer, and you're sitting there with, uh, with the two texts side by side, which th that exists in some of the editions, mm -hmm. then you could learn a lot if you, you know, if you look back and forth, if you do that regularly. So, um, because the Rambam wrote these fundamental works in Arabic, and, you know, we know that the Rambam is so careful with every word. He's so medayic. He selects, he chooses this word and the way he writes. And you know that when you read his, everyone knows that when you read the Mishnah which was written in Hebrew, everyone knows you got to be medayic, the Rambam, to read it well, right? But then when it comes to the Arabic, well, it's a we're reading it in a translation. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned earlier, part of what makes the, the, I think part of what makes the Ikrim, part of what made that they were neglected and maybe didn't get the right study that the Rambam would have wanted them to get, was that they were only available in translation. Uh -huh. And for a long time, the translation was, was, was a hard, was a difficult translation. What I mean for a long time is because only recently we have a few excellent quality translations of, of, the, of the Arabic. You're saying translation into Lush and Kaidish? Into Lush and Kaidish. That happened the last hundred years. We have Rav Kapach and recently of Korach and Rav Shelat. Some, some excellent translations. But till then, we were working with other translations which were, depending on who did them, sometimes clunkier than others and hard to read. And that's why I think the Pirish Mishnah is in general, the Rambam's work on Mishnah is, which is full of gems, if you know how to read it, but then we're reading it in a difficult translation. But recently, there's better translation. So studying the original Arabic text, did you find uh, inconsistencies or, or, or anomalies in, in the way it was translated and things like that? Well, yes, you sometimes notice things uh -huh. that, you know, why the Rambam used this word, or sometimes, very interestingly, sometimes you'll notice, why did he say this word in Arabic and not in Lashon Because uh -huh. imagine you writing in English, right? Of course, there's going to be some words... That's right. For the technical Torah terms, right? right? But then sometimes the Rambam will use a word in Arabic, and like, why did he use that word? And sometimes he's not consistent about that. Yeah, so if you look for that, there's a lot to see there. And we were working primarily with the Hebrew translations. And like I said, now we have a number of excellent translations. So it's not necessary to go back to the original to understand what the Rambam is saying, but it's helpful. Mm -hmm. So when it came, let's say, to the Yud Gimel Ikrim, Actual those thirteen ikrim. There, I went through word by word the Arabic, you know, oh. to go through, yeah to to see if I found anything. And yes, you sometimes do see. Hey, how come they translated it like this? And something to think about. And you know, and many times in the footnotes, you point you point that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, here's this word. And also, what's available, and there's so much available these days. One of the great things is there are databases where you can search for um, Judeo-Arabic terms. This is the Freeburg uh, Geniza manuscript project. And on that website, they have a Judeo-Arabic database. So you can put in a word in Judeo-Arabic. So it means I'll put in Ibn Jabbar, let's say, right? Huh. And, and I'll write in, Aleph Beis Nun, Gimel Aleph, Gimel with a, with a strap. <laughs> <With a strap> okay? Because <laughs> it's Jabbar, don't, not, don't, don't say Gabar. <laughs> and then they'll show me if that appears anywhere else in all these works we mentioned and tens more that we never even heard of. Wow. Some of them weren't even translated. So if you're familiar enough with the Judeo-Arabic, which I am, I can use that to say, look, look how maybe the Rambam himself used this word. Mm. There's actually an example of that is maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a raging debate in some circles going on for uh, really hundreds of years. The Rambam talks about something called, in Arabic, word itakad, whatever. It means, it means something like either faith or belief or knowledge. And there's a big question. Does the Rambam want you to believe things or does he want you to know things? Because the Rambam was a proponent of studying um, the Torah and studying Hashkafa based on 
philosophy and logic. Understanding. Understanding. It. And then when he says, <clears throat> in the Ikram, he uses this word, you know, you're supposed to know something. So, okay, what does he mean by that? What is he, or this, this Arabic word. And by using this database, by searching for it, you can find other places where he uses it and in get a sense. In that context, you can understand what he means. Right. And I discovered, actually, that he sometimes uses it for people who hold beliefs that are untrue. That same word. Uh -huh. Which means it can't mean knowledge as in certainty. Right. Because right, right. you can't be certain. You can know something that's not true. So that kind of thing, which Rabbi does point out very often in the footnotes, and um, we were able to use, use the original Oh, to, to get to the true meaning. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you love the Rambam, and I, you shared yeah. with me that you own, uh, I think, seven or eight uh, different vol volumes, editions, versions of the Mar Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe nine. But yeah. Maybe nine. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have the Arabic one, and a couple of English ones, and numerous uh, Hebrew ones. Yeah. Hebrew ones. So, yeah. you, you know, you really, it's, it's, it's a passion of yours. Yeah. So you, you were really a natural... A natural candidate to, to be involved in this project. Yeah, I, I love it. was it. almost like a dream come true. Hundred percent. Right? It's my favorite. I, <laughs> I just it's so exciting to sit there and work on the Rambam and to say, you know, okay, what does this word mean? Why is he using this word and not that word? And then, like I said before, he he always does things in more than one place. So some of the excitement was like sleuthing to find out, okay, where else in the Kisvei Rambam does it occur? Mm -hmm. And I remember when um, when Yehuda also he said he, at one point he said, you know. We have to find out where else he talks about this, because there's always going to be someplace else. And that became like a, a key to figuring out the true intention. Mm -hmm. Because as much as the Rambam, I mean, like I said, he says you can read it 10 times and not understand it, right? So right. you can imagine how much work we had to do. Sure. We had to figure out what he really means to our best, the best of our ability. And then explain that and sometimes distill that. And what's amazing about this is you can, get, you can have like a, a footnote or just a term we used, and, but the background that went into that, the discussion that went into figuring out, okay, you know, what did the Rambam really mean over here? And then, how do we say that in one sentence or less? Um, I think people who do the kind of work in working at the Rambam will be able to detect the, the amount of scholarship work, uh, and scholarship work that went, went into, into what we did. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you, I mean, you went to well-known yeshivas, very mainstream yeshivas. You grew up in the very mainstream system. By, by all accounts, this type of analysis and study of the Rambam is not really incorporated into the traditional study, right? I right. mean, um, at what point did you did you find that you had this interest in it, and then did you have a, a Rebbe or someone who who you modeled yourself yourself self after, yeah. or was it just a you know a discovery of your own? It was sort of a discovery of my own, to be honest. Yeah. In fact. Um, when I discovered the Mer Nebuchim, I was maybe in the low 20s, and I was wondering, how could this have been such a secret? I loved it right. so much. But like I said, it's, it's a mysterious work. It's an esoteric work. It really is not for everyone, the, mm -hmm. the depths of, of the Rambam, certainly not the, uh, the Mer Nebuchim. But yeah, I discovered it. Of course, you know, like many things, once you discover it, you find a lot of people are doing it. And, but right. it's, it's different than, than what I um, typically was done, was to focus on yeshiva, certainly. I think an important <clears throat> point to make is, and this is something that I spoke to you uh, uh, about before, and that is that despite the, the scholarship that went into this, and despite the intricacies of breaking down the Rambam's writings, and all that, I, I think it's important to point out that this is a work that's uh, really for everyone. Yeah. Uh, opening it up, it's, it's very non-threatening, mm -hmm. very easy to read. The, the, both the text itself, which is elucidated, and the commentary or notes on bottom are very easy to comprehend. Talk about that, because you, you, you put heart and soul into this, together with Rabbi Yudha Kilsen, Rabbi Danziger, and this team of scholars. 
Um, it's really a work that very, very many people, men and women, and yeah. even younger, uh, you know, Lyme Dim, could mm -hmm. really benefit from. Yes. The Rabman was a master at being methodical, um, which people probably know from his halachic works. And what he does over here, he says, he, he has a mission. So he starts off, let's talk about the intro to Chelek, okay? He says, I want to teach you about reward and punishment. And here's what people think. Some people think this. He gives you five people, five types of people, or what they, five opinions. Here's where they fall short, and here's what I think about those five things. Where do they fit into the Torah? Okay, now let me tell you about al -Mabba. Now let me tell you through the 13 principles, and I'll explain each of them separately. So the Ramah makes it so easy. In fact, sometimes it's deceptively simple, because Ramah then makes it so easy, and you get to the end, and you say, okay, I read it. But then he says, no, right. read it 10 more times, and then you still don't understand it. But you will think you understood it, because it really is flows, and, and, right. and you see what the Rambam's getting at. I, I like the point that you brought out, which I noticed also, that the Rambam will very, he won't just state the facts and tell you what you should know and believe. He'll refute the, the points that are, that are erroneous. You yeah. know, in, in, in yeshivish language, we'll say he bavarns yeah. different things, yeah. right. which is really a very human element in the Rambam's writings, mm -hmm. of the way he writes. He'll, yeah. he'll go into our minds, lest you think this, you should know that that's incorrect. He, he's leading you somewhere. Leading he's you, right. teaching you, right. And, and he doesn't, he won't just say something because it occurred to him. Whatever he says right. is a reason. He's trying, he's very much aware of the fact that he's trying to, to bring you somewhere. Right. You as his student, he's trying to get you to a point. And he'll tell you what he thinks you need to know to get there. Nothing more, nothing less. So it's really, a, a, you know, you can go on this journey with the Rambam and learn something. So I think what's so beautiful about this, and uh, maybe it's a cliche, but in this case it's very true. Beginners can and should learn so much from this, and that's why I think it's so wonderful what we did, because we opened up this study to beginners. But I think also advanced Tamid Chachamim, even people who are very familiar with Rambam, will learn a lot from this, mm -hmm. because of all that background that I was telling you about, which sometimes comes up explicitly, and sometimes it's implicit, you know, like, oh, we explained it well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's wonderful, yeah, but I think definitely it, it's an accessible work. The Rambam wrote it to be accessible. There are, in fact, instances where we can see that the Rambam avoided a topic that he may have gone into in the Marin Vuchim, related to something that he discusses in, 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 in these works, because that's more advanced. The mm -hmm. Rambam's very much aware of that, and he writes about that in the Marin. You know, there's something for the basic study, and there's more advanced study, and not, not everything's for everyone. There's, there mm -hmm. are secrets of the Torah, the things that are Torah that are really advanced, and you have to be on a level to understand, and he's right. not going to go into them. And we sort of did the same thing, even when there's fundamentals of faith. I mean, he talks about the nature of Hashem, what we have to think about Hashem. So, of course, that can quickly get into very deep esoteric things. Right. But the Rambam seems to have studiously avoided certain things that may bear on that, and we did the same thing. You know, we said, okay, look in the Marnavuchim, we'll talk right. a little bit more, but we're, right. but we're making this, we tried to be faithful to the Rambam's intention here, which is to write a work for, the, for, for everyone. Right. This is not the Rambam's secret, you know, esoteric works that are only for very advanced. So now I want to ask you something. I, I noticed something in the introductory remarks, which I think were, were written by Rabbi Danziger. He okay. says something here interesting about you. I wanted your insight. Okay. He, he's talking about uh, your contribution uh, about Rabbi Burton, his in-depth annotated reviews of many chapters are valuable unpublished resources in their own right. Ah, yes. Uh, talk about that. Uh, obviously, you, you submitted many comments, many right. insights, many editions, right. which are actually not in this volume, I guess, because they were beyond there. the scope of this, of this work. But what, what exactly was meant by that? Okay, so we have this wonderful base medrash going on. 
right? Rav Yehuda does his work, I look at it, I comment, Rav Hilla gets involved, and there's so much shakla there's a lot of back and forth. There's shtikl there's okay, well the Ram says that, but what about the Ram over there, and how come he uses this word, how come he uses that word, what, what could it mean? Questions. And uh, so I think at one point Rav Hilla said, you know, all this material, this could be its own safer, and it really could mm-hmm. be, like, you know, there's shtikl on the Rambam. So if you're going right. to take a Rambam, we're familiar with the Rambam in, in Mishatai, right? So imagine you, you put out a, a Rambam, a halachic say for the Rambam. Here's the Rambam says, here's the meaning. How do you know that's the meaning? You could have gone through a whole Reb Chaim or a whole Shtikot to Evan Ozel until you decide what the meaning is. Right. So that's the background. Uh-huh. So even though, as you said, it didn't get into here, it sort of did because this is what informed. What informed it. Yes, it could mm-hmm. inform a, you're, a you're small a comment and I, then you know, that this is the background that you're not seeing. I, I should mention just uh, uh, that you are a Mechaber Svarim of, of your own Svarim in, in Lashon HaKodesh. Uh, uh, various works on, on different topics. Uh, could we anticipate your own safer uh, containing these components that maybe didn't make it in here? Or, you know, perhaps, perhaps. perhaps, there's, perhaps. A, there's, there's a lot of great things to do. We can't do everything. <laughs> right, right. It's only a certain number of hours in the day. That's it. That's it. In, in working on this, on this uh, phenomenal safer, is there anything eye-opening, an anomaly, something the Rambam shared that, you, that just blew you away that maybe you never knew before? Mm. Interesting question. There's probably so many different things. Um, <clears throat> what's so fascinating about the Rambam is that he's so fundamental. He's the Rambam. He wrote the Yud Gimel right? And yet there's so much that he says, which to him was basic, that's not so well known. So it's a very interesting thing. He is, he is the, the, one of the greatest teachers of Klai Yisrael, right? From Moshe to Moshe, there was no one like Moshe. And yet, you can, you can read the Sefer and you'll, you'll learn things that you never knew. Um, to pick out one is, is, is going to be difficult for me. Um, nothing in particular is coming nothing to mind, and to I'm mind. afraid of, uh, if I pick one, I'm like, you know, oh, uh-huh. I should have done something else. So, yeah. There, it's, just, it's just chock full of, of chidusha. I mean, his treatment of Olam Habba, I think, will be eye-opening to people. How the mm-hmm. Rambam thinks about Olam Habba. Um, how it, the Rambam is very much focused on a, on a person perfecting his mind, his intellect. Mm-hmm. The Rambam considers the intellect to be the true you, the true person. And that all Torah and mitzvahs ultimately are supposed to perfect the intellect. So his concept of Olam Haba follows that. I actually and think that's a topic that people would find fascinating because people don't always know what is Olam Haba, what is the Olam Ames, what is Yemais right. HaMashiach, right. are they one yeah. and the same, are they different? Right. Uh, so it's really something right. that, that... So that's something the Rambam goes through, is the, the stages. stages. And right. Yehuda did at the end, we have these great uh, appendices where, where or Yunim also, where you just lined up the different uh, shittas. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, here's the Rambam, but then there's the Ramban, thinks about it differently. So these are just such fundamental topics, and you can get a great education on these things that everyone has to know about. Right, sure. And it's, it's so accessible, it's wonderful. So the, the, the greater Torah world is grateful to you, and these team, this team of, of outstanding Tamadik Haram, who have done a yeoman's job putting this together. Um, we encourage people to read it, like you said, because it's it's so fundamental. This is not really it's not really an extra. These, no, is, it's not. That's the thing. Are, that's what's so amazing. These are ideas and ideals that 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 form the yeah. foundation of our faith. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. nothing less. No, it's like you said. It's like this has been waiting to be done. And I think, if I may say so myself, we did a world class job of of bringing out these these fundamental things that everyone should be reading. Well, and I don't say this lightly, yeah. you know, but no, you know, no, no. this I, is a work that it's There's true. no question. The mm-hmm. Tamil Chacham who have looked at this volume agree with that, that assessment. 
Um, and so, we, you know, we'll continue to benefit from this, and we look forward to continuing to benefiting from your contributions, both within the world of art school and beyond. And uh, thank you so much for coming down today to speak. Great pleasure, Bitsi. A great pleasure to, to contribute in this way, and I look forward to, to further contributing to Atzgan the Adamatar. Thank you so much. Continue Thank you. Thank you.